0: Thank you for listening to audio from Gospel Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. For more information about our church or our Sunday services, please visit gccugene.org. Hey everyone, this morning we get the privilege and honor to hear from a friend of mine whose name is Chris Rich. He is the preaching pastor for Mercy Fellowship up in Marysville, Washington. And I've asked Chris if he would be willing to preach and deliver a sermon for uh, GCC uh, during this time and season. And we talked about uh, what would be the best topic and uh, what would be best for our congregation and for our listeners at this time. And we decided a message on anxiety and and worry. And so this morning we get to hear from Chris. Uh, He's, like I said, he's a friend and brother and fellow pastor of mine. So I'm excited for you guys to get to hear from him. He's a a great preacher, but uh, uh, just a great shepherd and pastor. And so Love this guy and I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to hear from him and for all of us to get to hear from him this morning. And so, just a couple quick announcements. Uh, if you're visiting with us uh, for the first time this morning, joining in for the first time, welcome. Our church's mission statement and the reason why we exist is to make Jesus the hero. That's not something that we believe we only strive to do on a Sunday morning, but it's something that we want to do in all of our lives. And so, uh, whether we go to work or with all of our hobbies, our aim and goal is to make Jesus the hero. And so, um, The way that we carry that out is through uh, loving God and loving our neighbors. A while back, we did a series on the four S's of practically how we love God and love our neighbors. And it's through seeking, serving, sharing, and scattering. And so we seek those um, who are in the body, but also outside of the body. We serve those inside and outside of the body. And we uh, share the gospel, because ultimately what people need is the uh, good news of Jesus Christ and what he's done, finished, and accomplished. And then we also hope to scatter as a church through our gospel communities but also a church that plants churches and so um, that's who we are that's uh why we exist and i want to say this uh, if you call gcc your home and family those things that uh um, that we do um even when we're outside of this crazy just weird season that we find ourselves in with the pandemic right now uh, those are things that we can still do and so my encouragement to you guys is to still seek um, God and seek others inside and outside of our family. Text people, reach out to people, encourage people, serve people, share the gospel, preach the gospel to ourselves but to others, and encourage one another with who we are in Christ. And, and as we do that, my hope is that the church grows and scatters even through this um, time that we're in right now. So uh, love you guys, appreciate you guys, uh, and again, and always look forward to the time that we can all gather again together and uh, um, look forward to hearing from uh, dear friend and brother Chris Rich this morning. Also, just a couple quick announcements. I know this summer we're not meeting with our gospel communities. We take that time to give our gospel community leaders a, a break, but if you're someone who has just moved to the area or someone who's interested in getting plugged in with GCC, we know this is a, uh, just a difficult time, uh, to move to a city or to try to get plugged into a church. And so we want to help facilitate that in any way we can. So please reach out to us. You can you can email us, contact us, and we would love to get you connected in whatever way we can. I know that um, some groups are meeting, uh, um, some people are having watch parties. We would encourage watch parties. Uh, so there's uh, still the community aspect that's taking place in this season. And if you'd like to get connected to a watch party, we'd like to help you with that as well. One last announcement is through this time and season, uh, we've uh, been talking uh, about giving and even the importance of giving now as we want to continue to spread the gospel in this time and season. So if you're able to give, please give. Uh, you can give to the Church Center app. Uh, if you're a cash giver, it's an easy way to give. You can give online, uh, gccugine.org. There's a gift tab there. If you want to give to the Benevolence uh, COVID fund, then you can do that and 100% of your proceeds will go toward that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also give uh, via check um, and, and make that payable to GCC at uh, Post Office Box 41864, Eugene, Oregon 97404. And just as a quick update, I wanna thank you guys for your generosity. Acts 29 uh, um, was seeking to raise $50,000 to help bless uh, the churches around the globe and our network that were struggling during this pandemic and, uh, as a network we raised $86,000 and I know that our church was able to contribute to that and so I'm, I'm thankful for that. I think uh, I just appreciate and want to thank you guys for your generosity and encourage you guys to, to continue to give and support us, uh, during this time and season. All right, well, good morning. My
1: name's uh, Chris uh, Rich. I'm the lead pastor of Mercy Fellowship Church in Marysville, Washington. Uh, it is a joy uh, to get to be um, with you, um, Gospel Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, I've gotten to know Rick and Allie over the last couple years through Acts 29. And when Rick told me that I would get to, to preach the gospel to a church in Eugene, Oregon, as a Washington Husky, a uh, kid that went to, to UW, to get to know I get to preach about Jesus in Eugene, without having to go to Eugene, this is like one of the the greatest blessings um, that has come out of this COVID quarantine, because I get to hang out with you without having to see uh, all of the zero bumper stickers uh, around town, representing all the national championships that the Ducks have. And so um, now that I've completely alienated you and you've turned off the feed and and everything, um, I I do want to just, before we, we really get into it, is just ask you this morning, how are you? Like, like really, how, how are, are you doing? Because there's a lot of things for us to, to be worried about. And, um, if we had talked about this back in March, uh, it seems like that list has just grown week by week, month by month. So uh, at first it's, it's lockdowns and there's societal unrest. Um, you know, up here, uh, in Washington, we had murder hornets was kind of a thing. I guess down in, um, in Florida, there's meth gators. So that's a thing we need to be, uh, concerned about. Um, but, but, uh, besides that, What's the individual day-to-day pressures that you're going through? What are the things um, that are keeping you up at night? Maybe it's your individual health. Maybe it's the fabric of society. Maybe it's the state of the economy. Maybe you've already shut your business down. Maybe you've um, uh, been so isolated for the last uh, several uh, months now um, that um, relationally you feel disconnected. Maybe you are so relationally connected with your family now that fissures have emerged and you started to realize how insecure some of those relationships are. Whatever your circumstances in, I believe that we are very, very anxious and fearful people particularly while we're in the midst of this season of uncertainty where everything has been uprooted. So much of our lives has been restricted. And so I don't think there's any one of us that has uh, made it through the last few months unscathed without a certain level of uncertainty, anxiety, unsettledness. And so we have fears about what others think about us, fears about not living up to our own expectations, fears for tomorrow about our provision, fears for where the direction of the country is going. Uh, And so fear ends up becoming this great motivator that ends up um, uh, overpowering our decisions uh, and and influences our whole disposition. See, it, it can make us even crazy at certain points, right? Because normal, sane people don't go to Costco and get like seven cases of toilet paper when there's only two of you in the house, Right in 2019, if you went and talked to yourself and said, "Hey, you're going to see people driving around in their cars by themselves with masks on," you would have said, "Why? Wow, wow, what's going on? That, that, that's crazy," because that's not a normal thing to do. But we get driven by fear, and we fear things we can't control, and we fear things we can't predict, and so we start to play around with what if, and, and we begin to realize that the world that we live in is actually dangerous that our sense of security has been completely eroded. And uh, if you think about the the Lego movie from a few years ago, right, what was the big theme song for that? Everything is awesome. And you're like, what? no, nothing is awesome. There's not one aspect of life that we're like, oh, yeah, that's crushing it in 2020. And so we say we hope for the best and we prepare for the worst. But the reality is we act with so little hope. And we do nearly everything in the shadow of fear. And we fear because we've put faith in certain things and systems and relationships and places, even ourselves, and they begin to fail us. And and so we find ourselves uncertain and unanchored, and now we're just in this boat being tossed uh, around in a storm, and we're grabbing for anything that we can hold on to, anything that feels secure. And so we forget what's true and right, and instead we try to find some rest in some things that are false. And so lies begin to creep in to our understanding of the world. Lies like there's no God. Lies like this is all there is. And sometimes our belief is met with seeing or experiencing like a spiritual dryness or even disconnection from God. And so we've probably been asking ourselves, God, where are you? what are you doing? How does the story end? And so we want comfort. And instead we're confronted with um, big um, global stories, national stories. And yet I know each one of us have our individual stories of of trial of struggle, of, of difficulty, and we get so overwhelmed to process. And so we start to wonder, where is hope? And why does it appear so absent when it's needed most? And where are we going to find hope and courage in the midst of a broken world when God is not seen, when he's not heard, and maybe right now when he's not felt? We need faith and we need to remember what's true. So before I get into our text today, I want to remind us of three big ideas that are true before we get into Matthew chapter six. Number one, God is good. He is mighty, he is loving, he is wise, and he is in control. Nothing that has happened this year was a surprise to God. God's not checked out and said, oh, uh uh-oh, I I left him down there. How did this all shake out? What are they doing now? No, he's not surprised by any of this. He's not overwhelmed by it. He is active in world events, and he is engaged and aware of your personal story. And that brings me to number two, you are known by God. I am known by God. We are known by God and we are loved by God in Christ Jesus. And so God knows our circumstances. He has not forgotten his promises. And he has given us a hope that the Bible says is imperishable. That means we have a hope that cannot um, be degraded, one that cannot run out, and so it cannot be contained, and it cannot be restricted. And so we have a hope uh, that doesn't have a flattened curve. We have a hope that just keeps surging and and, and breaking records daily on the amount of hope that we're able to have, remembering that God is good and that God loves us and knows us and has served us in Christ Jesus. And that brings us to number three. This is a challenging chapter like let's let's just not pretend this is a great year Let's just not pretend this is a, a great season. And while we don't know how long it is, and certainly it's been longer than we thought it was going to be, I can assure you this is not the last chapter of the story. And the reason I can say that is because um, here in the Bible, the way that the end of the story uh, uh, unfolds is no more sin, no more suffering, no more tears, no more disease, no more sickness, no more um, brokenness, no more unrest. There is one kingdom and people from every tribe, tongue, and nation are you? united around worshiping King Jesus in a perfect forever world. And so if the chapter sucks, the story's not over yet. So we have hope that our forever future is better than our present pain. So if you don't like the chapter, know the story's not over yet. God is the creator. He is the owner of all that exists and all those who trust in Jesus. It says God has adopted into his family. And so our relationship with God is when we call him father. And so uh, while, while we can sometimes believe that God is unseen, he is not absent and he's not inactive. And so to, to quote my good friend, uh, Sean Garman, he said, God is not a social distancer. He's near He's present. And yeah, we can, we can know that. Especially if you're a Christian and you read your Bible and you're like, yeah, God's present. He's, he's active. I know that. and You can know it up here. But I think the distance from here to here gets a lot bigger when we're dealing with anxiety and when we're dealing with fear. What we know is true hasn't sunk down deeply into our hearts. And so today, uh, I just want Jesus to get to be our pastor. For the rest of our time together this morning, I want Jesus' words to be what impact us most. And so Jesus preached this sermon in Matthew chapter 6. You can turn your Bibles there if you have it, or turn your app there, whatever. Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. I'm going to break it up into three different parts, but I want Jesus to be our preacher. I want the Holy Spirit to be our comforter, and I want it to all point us to the good promises of God our Father and how He loves us and knows us each and every day. So if you have your Bibles, turn them with me to Matthew chapter 6. Um, I'm going to start in verses 25 and 26. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll read them and we'll talk about them. This is Jesus preaching a sermon to a large crowd of people. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor weep, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And so Jesus has begun his public ministry, and he ends up gathering this large crowd for the sermon that we know as as the Sermon on the Mount. So just imagine the scene. Thousands of people all gathered together, high-fiving with reckless abandon, just enjoying being together, hearing uh, the preaching and teaching. And so he's talked about marriage and engaging with our anger and loving enemies, how to pray, how we manage our, our wealth, and how the meek are going to inherit the earth. And in the middle Of this sermon, Jesus goes, Hold up. Don't be anxious. He doesn't say, If you get anxious or when you get anxious, Jesus tells us to not be anxious because as he's looking out on this crowd of disenfranchised people, they're in poverty, they've got a government that is distant from them, that is oppressing them. He knows that the universal thing that applies to everybody that is in that crowd is anxiety. They are stressed out. They are fearful people. And so Jesus preaches to anxious people. He knows their anxiety. God knows that we're anxious. He knows your anxiety. You might, in this season, been able to hide it from some people. Maybe you hid it from your spouse or your coworkers. Or you know, maybe you've only yelled at your kids a few times as opposed to like every other day. But the reality is it's there. God knows your innermost thoughts. He knows your heart groanings. He knows that this is the state that we're all in. He he knows that as we start scrolling through our feed, that our chest starts to tighten up, our our fists start to clench, the walls seem to be closing in, we're grinding our teeth at night, we're not sleeping, We're, we're, we're anxious. And the ground that we're standing becomes shifting sand, and so as Jesus preaches on anxiety, Four different times, he tells them to not be anxious and to not worry. He says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your food. Don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about tomorrow. See, Jesus is a great preacher because he uses repetition to get his big ideas across. Let me say that again. Jesus is a great preacher. He uses repetition to get his ideas across. And so Jesus knows uh, that we're going to continually find more and more things to be anxious about. So he just kind of hits everything deep and wide. Hey, your life, and tomorrow, and then your food and your clothes, right? The entire gamut of our life can lead us to anxiety. And so what do we do when we're anxious? We're looking at the problems of this world, uh, whether it's globally or in our lives. And we're seeing those problems as bigger, as greater, as more powerful than the God who created the world and created us and knows us. So we're inverting what's true We're forgetting what's true. And so these these questions start to creep up into our minds and into our hearts. Does, Does God really love me? Is God really for me? And yet, all throughout God's word, All throughout the Old Testament, God's people were constantly told uh, about the character and nature of God. Uh, When God's people were entering into the promised land in Joshua 1 5, he says, I will not leave you nor forsake you. That's God saying, I'm not going anywhere and I'm not going to turn my back on you. That should put some steel in your spine. Later, uh, Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, fear not. Why? Just because we shouldn't be afraid? No, he says, fear not. For I am with you. That's God saying, In the midst of your fear and anxiety, I am present so you don't need to fear. Later in Jeremiah twenty nine, eleven, God's talking to people who've been actually in exile, maybe in exile for 70 years. So hey, our last few months of just like not being able to go to the gym uh, and, and not being able to go to the movie theater and no sports and everything, is nothing compared to being ripped from our homeland and being scattered across the another world. And to those fearful, terrified people, God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's what God does to answer our anxiety. See, we can turn our worry into worship when we remember what is true. One of the things that Jesus wants us to know that's true is that life is more than merely survival. I think right now, uh, especially in this year 2020, right, survival is kind of the name of the game, right? Keep the business open. Keep the mortgage paid. Keep advancing in school. Keep getting our bills taken care of. Uh, where, where am I going to find toilet paper? Uh, you know, what? You know, Did I forget my mask? Can I go to the store? You know, whatever. Like, just make it through another day. And yet, there's this groaning that we have because I think instinctively we all know that we are made for more than mere maintenance or sustenance. We are made for flourishing and we are made to enjoy communion with God and with His people. I think that's what's so difficult about this season. This is I joke about not getting to be Eugene. Like, I wish that I was in the room with you as you groan at my bad jokes uh, and we go enjoy that together rather than just, like, looking at this camera here in Marysville. Because we're made to be in relationship with one another. We're made to be in relationship with God. We're not made to maintain. We're made to flourish. And so... We're, we're supposed to thrive. And I don't want to get all health and wealth and prosperity gospel, but, but God made the world good. And he made us to reflect his glory and to enjoy life with him and with his people. And so he says, God feeds birds. God cares about birds. And so wherever you are right now, you can, you can open your window. Maybe you can hear the birds like, like, like tweeting or rocking or whatever the name is, my last up to you, I think we'll see. I don't know, I don't have my notes with me on that. But open the window, maybe you can hear them right now. And those birds, right, they're, they're not on Twitter, like, getting all anxious over whatever the next news story is. And, and Jesus doesn't say, hey, consider the squirrels uh, that go and, and anxiously gather nuts like all spring and summer long so they can make it through winter and survive. He says, no, just consider the chirping birds that just fly around all day and get fed By the goodness and grace of God. See, he's saying you're more important to God than the birds. He asked that rhetorical question. Aren't you more valuable than them? See, I think we struggle with this in the Northwest, right? Because we love the environment and there's endangered species and all that stuff. Like you hear this so clearly. You are not an advanced animal, you are an image bearer of God, worthy of dignity honor, and respect. You are more valued than any young bird. And we forget that because we're like, oh, we're just, you know, part of nature, and yet God has made us distinct with a soul to be known and loved and cared for. Alright, let's go on. Jesus tells us why we not be anxious in verse 27 through uh, 30. It says this, and which of you, by being anxious, man a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not rain like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? And so let's ask ourselves, why, why are we to not be anxious? I mean, I'd love to just be really overly simplistic and say, well, Jesus told us to not be anxious. I mean, Jesus tells us to do something, we should do it. Like, yeah, that's, that's totally true. And yet, in, in this season, and in, in, in any season where we're dealing with anxiety uh, and, and we're struggling with survival, I mean, how many of us, just throughout our days, if we're, if we're really honest, just know that we're failing in so many areas? Right? Whether we set the standards for ourselves or expectations for others or whether it's just giving the expectations from God, we know we're failing. And so we've got anxiety, we've got fear, we've got worry, and then we're told not to worry, and we're like, oh great, now I'm failing and not worrying. I'm failing at being anxious. And yet the reason Jesus tells us that, is not so that we'll have another thing to, to burden us, but because he knows that our anxiousness produces absolutely nothing. So again, go ahead, clench your fists, grind your teeth, like, really get stressed out, really get angry, and ask yourself, is all of that, can you add a moment to your life? Does it produce more joy? Does it give you any more hope? And the answer is no, of course, and nothing. It doesn't produce anything. And it's it's more than just unproductive. It's exhausting. Walking in anxiety is exhausting because we're always worried about the next thing. It doesn't produce anything. It actually just takes away our vitality. As I was preparing for this, I came across this quote. Uh, some people attribute it to Charles Havens Spurgeon, but I, I saw it attributed to, to Corey Tinbu. And she's a guy that wrote this great book called The Hiding Place. Uh, she was in uh, a Nazi internment camp during World War II. Uh, and she's dealing with, can we just agree, a way more stressful situation than probably anything any of us have ever been in? And she says this about worry. I love this Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. See, worry doesn't add anything, uh, it, it just robs us of, of joy today. And so God is the creator and he's the author of our lives and Jesus gives us more than a command to not be anxious for our benefit. In fact, he goes on to explain why we don't need to be anxious. He yes. says, go ahead and just look at the world. Right? They, they were out on this mountain during the sermon, and he says, like, look at the lilies of the field. They, they neither toil nor spin. They don't, they don't work, and yet God has made them beautiful, right? At no point in your life have you ever had a teacher, coach, boss, who's like, you know, I'd like to see a little more effort out of you. Could you, could you be more like a potted plant? No, because plants don't give effort. They just are. They just grow, because that's what they do. And God has made them beautiful. And we here in the Pacific Northwest live in an absolutely beautiful region out of the country and the world. And so every day we are inundated with the beauty and creativity of God. Like just look outside or drive around and see how beautiful everything is. And then realize, particularly if you're from another part of the country, that the rest of the country doesn't look as great as this. Right, like, like we can talk about the beauty of God's creation here. I don't know if I can preach it the same in Nebraska where I have relatives at, or when I lived in Dallas, Texas. Right, because I think in the in the Midwest, like God just got bored and just goes, "Let's make it flat." But here, He He crafted in beauty. I mean, there's there's a reason, right, that people died on the Oregon Trail to get out of the Midwest and come here because it's amazing, it's beautiful, it's from God. And so, if you've seen anything in this dark and difficult season that is beautiful, any act of kindness, anything that's inspired you uh, with beauty, know that God was probably behind that. And Jesus says, you are more valuable and more beautiful to God than flowers or grasslands. That's amazing. The creative God made us with his image, he made us beautiful. And so hear this, if you don't hear anything else today, God cares about you. He knows every hair on your head, he knows every day that you've lived, he knows every tear that you've shed, he knows every groaning of your heart, and he knows every joyful moment you've experienced. He's the author of your life. And he decides when and how our lives begin and, he, and, and how they end. And so he's saying, have some faith in the author of the story. We said at the beginning, of the chapter sucks, it means the story's not over yet. Okay. Last verses here in Matthew. We'll close things out. Matthew 31, or 6, uh, 31 through 34 says this. Jesus comes on because of this God who, who provides uh, for the birds and makes the flowers beautiful. And therefore, verse 31 says, do not be anxious. Say, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, those far from God, seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. And for it not be anxious about tomorrow, then tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Your Father in heaven knows you. He knows what you need. God is intimately aware of all of our circumstances. And so Jesus says, seek him, desire him. He's the one that cares about the details of your life. He's the one that can provide the details of your life. And so while we're worried about so many things in front of us, and to be clear, there's a lot to worry about in the big stories and in our individual stories. So whatever it is that you're worried about, whatever it is that's keeping you up at night, whatever it is that's consuming you, know that God can handle that. And while He's handling that, God is handling a billion other details in your life. You are completely unaware of, and he's doing it not only for you, but for seven and a half billion other people in the world. That is a big, massive God who's holding it all together. He's bigger and mightier and more powerful than we are. And so we don't have to worry about the details because God's got it all figured out. And so the point's not for us to find more things to worry about, but to know that God is currently sustaining and providing for you right now in moments and in ways that you don't even know about. And so we don't have to be consumed with worry. Like those, he says, like the Gentiles who think that they've been left alone in this world. Or they don't know there's a God who loves them, and a God who's a father who provides for his children. And so Jesus Tells us not to worry. And he actually says, when you're worked up, when you're weary and when you're weary. Later in Matthew 11, he says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. All of us that are so anxious, so worked up, and I'll give you another to-do list, and I'll give you more things to be worried about. No. He says, come to me. And I will give you rest. Rest, not, not not sleep. Although some of us need that. If you, you've been in the, your house with all your kids, you're like, "Just give me sleep. That'd be great." But, but rest, like wholeness, peace. So take a breath. Unclench those fists. Stop grinding that your teeth. And know that we don't need to be distracted with all the things in this world that keep us from understanding the most important thing we worry about. I say worry, be consumed with, and be concerned with. It's not the day-to-day details of our life, but the state of our souls for eternity. See, I think we we can all agree the world's broken. We struggle to wrestle with, with, with why and how. Uh, and maybe sometimes we wrestle with the idea individually, like, do I have sin and brokenness? The answer is yes, right? None of us are perfect. If we have any awareness at all. We know that we are not perfect. The imperfection is sin. Sin separates us from God. It isolates us. It distances us from him. And that's why we feel some of the anxiety that we feel because we're disconnected from the source of life and and of joy. and, and, And God's answer for our anxiety and for our sin and for our shame is to pursue us in the personal work of Jesus. That God actually showed up in the history in Jesus. That Jesus lived the perfect life that none of us have lived because of sin. That Jesus died the death that we all deserve because of our sin. That Jesus rose again so that we can have new life now and forever. So, God's answer for our anxiety and God's answer for our sin is Jesus in our place. So, I don't care how you failed, Jesus has succeeded. For you on the cross. And so we can repent of our sin and receive the gift of forever life that's life now and that's life forever with God and with His people when we place our faith in Jesus alone. So it's not up to succeed. Jesus has been victorious for us. God's answer for our anxiety and worry is not just Jesus as a good teacher, but Jesus as a great Savior. So that's why we're, we're not like, don't worry. We're, we're, don't worry, but trust Jesus, people. You're like, well, what about today? What about tomorrow? What about next month? Like, every day has got enough do for its own worry. Jesus says that. And we agree with that. He tells us each day is sufficient for its own trouble. So don't be concerned about tomorrow when you're supposed to be present and engaged with what's going on today. Jesus doesn't tell us just suck it up and don't worry. He's he's a good teacher. He's more than that. He doesn't say just don't worry about it. No, he's not a distant deity. He knows every day can and will have trouble until that final day where everything's made perfect. And so we trust him and we focus on what's before us. I want to close with uh, this this, uh, English poem that I think kind of uh, sums up some of these ideas. Uh, it's anonymous, so I, I don't know who I'm quoting here, but I'm just going to read it to you and then we'll, we'll finish things out here. It says this. Many a questioning, many a fear. Many a doubt have this quieting here. Moment by moment, let down from heaven, time, opportunity, guidance are given. Fear not tomorrows, child of the king. Trust him with Jesus. Do the next thing. Do it immediately. Do it with prayer. Do it reliably, casting all care. Do it with reverence, tracing his hand, who placed it before thee with earnest command. Stay on omnipotence, safe beneath his wing. Leave all resulting. Do the next thing. Do the next thing. What the application point for today? Just do the next thing. Maybe for you, it's trusting Jesus for the first time to repent of sin and receive the gift of life that comes from placing your faith in Jesus. Maybe it's just taking a deep breath and actually communing with the God who made you. Maybe it's realizing God has given you so much mercy and grace that you can actually exhale and be merciful and gracious to those around you. Maybe it's to get off social media for a while. Okay, yeah, it's definitely that. All of us should. From now until Jesus comes back, we should just get off social media. Have any of us gone through a Facebook feed and said, I feel better afterwards? Of course not, no. So I don't know what it is for you. But I know that Jesus is inviting us into a place of rest to give him our anxiousness and our worry and receive his life and his presence and his peace. And so we know that Jesus, when he went to the cross, he endured the greatest day of trouble for us so that we can endure any and every day of trouble present with him. Jesus endured for us on the cross so we can endure now. Jesus rose again so that we can live now and we can live forever. And so um, whatever's consuming you, whether it's your past, Jesus paid for that on the cross. Your past has been taken care of. If it's
0: the present, know that Jesus has said, in the Holy Spirit, I am present with you always to the end of the
1: age. Is it what come, comes next? Is it the future? Well, we know because of the empty tomb, because of the resurrection, because of Jesus' promised return that our future is secure. Like I said, our present pain is nothing compared to the future glory that we're going to get to experience so whether it's the past the present or the future whether it's it's yesterday today tomorrow or forever no matter what it is take a deep breath don't be anxious don't worry and simply trust Jesus let's pray Father God, you are so good to us and you are good for us. Lord, I pray specifically for Gospel Community Church and Eugene. I know that over the last season they've um, not been able to gather together face to face. They've been scattered online. Lord, I pray through your Holy Spirit that you would just knit them together that this would be a season that they emerge from stronger and more unified than one that they went into. Lord, I pray that you pr- provide for them financially. You provide for them uh, a space to gather. And I pray that pray that you provide them joy in the midst of their mission. Lord, whatever individual stories are happening uh, in their church, Lord, I pray that you would meet anxiety and worry with the comfort and peace of the Holy Spirit. With grace and mercy and assurance that can come only from you, God. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, come quickly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was a joy to get to be with you guys. All joking aside, I do long to get to to gather with you face to face. Pray you guys have a great rest of your morning. Uh, That all is well in Eugene. Go dogs.